The Guardians lose. Some scary new rule changes being discussed. And more Shane Bieber chatter. Just what everyone wanted on today's episode of Locked On Guardians. You are Locked On Guardians. Your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, use the code LOCKDOWNMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. I want to thank everyone for the kind words on yesterday's show. Crossovers, I know everyone said more crossovers. Here's the funny thing about crossovers. They're some of our lowest-watched episodes. So um, it's the give and take. I think with Javi being uh, as cool as he is, high-energy, awesome dude, uh, it worked great. And sometimes it's not as great. So, you know, when it presents itself for a good opportunity, we will do more crossovers, get more guests and do that. Uh, open floor again. If anyone knows Grady Sizemore, that is our white whale movie dick reference. Uh, for those who don't know, not some kind of weird uh, other issue. But uh, yeah, today's show, we're going to get into the loss. It is currently 1140 in my time, 1240 Eastern. So this is a bit of a, it's a very late recording by now. I have normally, everything's been up for an hour. So uh, Guardians After Dark, we'll, we'll see how this goes. Uh, overall, it should be a fun show. I am, I miss Justin. He sent me a very humorous photo that I don't think he would care if I shared about uh, being in Jamaica and a bunch of uh, trash cans together. And he said, I didn't know the Astros are playing in Jamaica. Apparently we're just going to rip on the Astros for next week on the show. And I don't think anyone outside Astros fans really get bothered by that. Um, and we want to have some fun with it. Uh, trying to think if there's any other business at the front. I think that's it for business at the front. Uh, no party in the back because the Guardians did lose today. For Tanner Bybee, uh, his worst start in the big leagues when he's pitching from home. Uh, he might have even been staying at home. I mean, he is pretty close, I believe, in Mission Viejo from, uh, from San Diego Stadium. Uh, this was his worst performance, came out two walks, and the only two walks he had, first two batters, I believe, then the three-run home run. Uh, Gary Sanchez has been uh, a pain. Mets got him, goes to San Diego. And he's been a revelation for San Diego, a team that needed something at the catching position. Uh, Cleveland also needs things at catching. But this was a struggle. I, overall, for Bobby, there were, i trying to think if there was a clean inning. We pitched through four, uh, had the home run in the second. Guys were getting on base. It, it was it was a struggle. It was a struggle for him in this one, and that is two of his last three, where he didn't have his command where we're used to seeing it. Uh, final box for him was four innings, eight hits, two walks, a wild pitch, only three strikeouts, and the two home runs given up. Bullpen comes in great. Uh, Curry, he's going to have that ERA under two if he keeps this up. Two innings, two Ks, didn't allow a base runner. Cody Morris, his debut. It was one that was hit really hard, uh, but uh, just not hard enough. One inning, 1K, uh, only 13 pitches. Then Eli Morgan comes in and does walk a guy, but that's the only base runner over four innings from the bullpen uh, because, you know, they only needed eight innings in this one because they got the save, and we all know how baseball works, right? So Cleveland uh, had some opportunities in this one. They just, you know, the story of this year, can't put it all together. I mean, Cam Gallagher had a double. And you had, at that point, it was, you know, Brennan had the single, Gallagher had the, the 
double. So then you had the runners on second and third, and they end up getting one run out of that in spite of, you know, the top of the order being up, um, getting nothing out of a med, which, I mean, I know he had the walk in the first, but getting nothing out of a med could be just the theme for his season this year. And this is my frustration. We'll get into it a bit now. So Gabby Arias pinch hitting for Will Brennan in the ninth. I mean, what's really going to happen there? Nothing, but it's a dumb call because uh, I'll put it up here. If you're on the YouTube, try to talk about the stats a little. Oh, nope. That's not the right one. You can see this little stat line. Well, probably you can't. It's too small. So (laughs) just forget that. But his, he's got a two weighted runs created plus against lefties. Now 140 versus righties. Gabby should have started this game at shortstop. He shouldn't have been pinch hitting late. You know, who's perfect to pinch hit late. A guy in Josh Hader. That's when you want a Met Rosario. He hits lefties well. The fact that this platoon hasn't already happened is insane to me. The fact that Ahmed Rosario, who has shown zero signs of life this year, is still playing is insane to me. And the fact that this is the second year in a row where they don't seem to recognize that reverse platoon splits exist and that just because you are a, you know, a right-handed bat doesn't automatically mean you're worse against righties and better against lefties. Not every hitter is the same. And I brought it up last year because Tito, when Terry played, he had even platoon splits. You know, he was not someone who really favored one more than the other. It was not like a great advantage. So you would think he would know from having done it himself. But unfortunately, that's not the case. Yeah, I'm harping on the wrong thing in this moment. But, you know, it's just one of those things at the end of a game that just in an annoying game stands out because Cleveland had more hits. They had nine hits to San Diego's eight. Uh, They had the two walks. San Diego only had three walks. They even had the, you know, Josh Bell's home run. But other than that, it was whenever they had guys on base, they couldn't get anything done. And again, no one was running, but I will say Gary Sanchez is a pretty good guy behind the plate to throw out runners. But try. Uh, Straw walked late in the game. And then was it, you know, it? I think I'm trying to remember what happened. That's Andres Jimenez. It's a ball on the ground that advances him to second. If he had stolen second, he'd already be at third. And there would have been a chance for another run. Probably doesn't get it close, but just try. You're, you might as well run. Try to create things. Try to do things. Um, Naylor reached base twice in this one. Bell reached base twice. And I believe that was it. Um, again, not a, a bit of a... My frustration with this team is just like the roller coaster, right? I would just like a solid... One can argue it has been a solid run. 4-0-1 in the last five series. That's a good run. But it'd be nice if they could, you know, win three in a row, win four in a row. We haven't won a series yet, and you're not winning this one. So it's just the frustration of, again, a team that is almost across the board underachieving. There are players who are playing better. Uh, Ramirez, Naylor are kind of the heart of that right now. And then you got Brennan. But unfortunately, you know, you got Freeman hitting ahead of Brennan, even though Freeman hits... Like, that's not a situation that doesn't make sense. Why are you pushing Freeman ahead of Brennan when Freeman's probably better at hitting lefties and you've got a righty on the mound? Lineup construction issues. Whole lot of frustration. Uh, Cam Gallagher. It's great that he had the double, but my goodness, that is a stat line from heck uh, for him in this one. Box score bingo. I had a few people request this and like this. So nine hits, two walks. That's 11 opportunities. That should come out to, you know, roughly three runs. Uh, maybe four, three to four runs. A little short of four, but uh, they got three. San Diego had the three walks with the eight hits. That's, that's 11. So again, you know, they had the uh, same amount of opportunities because I don't think there's any intentional walks. 
and no errors, and that should be about three to four runs. The reason it's different is San Diego had two home runs, one of them coming directly after the walks. They put things together. That is how you see this was a kind of an even matchup, even though San Diego doubled up the score because they put stuff together. They had timely hitting. Cleveland has not had that all year. We listened to Javi yesterday talk about how San Diego's the worst, second worst team in baseball with runners in scoring position. Don't tell that to Gary Sanchez. Come see with the big hit. Don't tell that to, um, gosh, who was it with the manufactured run where it was the wild pitch that led to, um, was that in the fifth with Bybee? Yeah, because I think he went into the fifth and then, yeah, because he didn't get any outs there where it was, uh, you know, weak hit, wild pitch. And then, you know, they was it Machado who knocked in the run on that one? I, I can't remember the specific workings of it, but, uh, yeah, it was no, it was Bogarts, Bogarts who uh, ended up with that hit. That's right. But yeah, it, it was a frustrating game because it's one where you're in it. There's an opportunity, and unfortunately, San Diego gets the win. I don't feel great about tomorrow's matchup. Savale um, going up against Michael Waka, who's pitched really well this year. I do feel good about the Wednesday matchup overall. That's probably Cleveland's best opportunity uh, in this series. Hopefully, they will be able to pull out a win tomorrow and surprise me since I never seem to <laughs> correctly predict what they're going to do anyways. Uh, but yeah, for, I think Tanner Bybee, we want to continue to watch because that is some, some command struggles in two of his last three starts. The one in between, he was utterly fantastic. I think if you're looking for three stars in this one, Bell and Naylor get them, even though I wish Bell could have put that hit together. You know, he had two hits and four opportunities. One of those times you had runners on first and second. And of course that's the time he, he almost hits into a double play. Like it, it should have been a double play, but he kind of got lucky. Um, Bogarts couldn't get the ball out, which could have been because he's got, that doesn't have a hand injury. Uh, and then I give Curry the third star for two innings, two Ks and his continued fantastic performance. We're going to come back talk about some discussed rule changes that would really hurt the Cleveland guardians. could almost be a show unto itself. And uh, we're going to finally get into the Shane Bieber stuff that I promised we'd get into on today's locked on guardians. And our fantastic sponsor are the good people over at Game Time. So there are a lot of ways you can get tickets. And I've used a lot of services in my lifetime. Uh, back when I worked for Scout, they actually had my favorite one. Uh, weirdly enough, that, that went away. But I always found good deals because people didn't know about it. Game Time is a new, relatively new app. But what's great about it is that if you want a last second ticket, it's not just about getting the ticket. It's seeing where it is. You don't want to buy that ticket and be like, oh, great. This is it may not be obstruction, but it is obstruction view. Uh, it's going to let you see where it is. They do killer deals on last minute tickets and they have the best prices guaranteed. So you don't have to worry about all that stuff that happens behind the scenes with one. So stop stressing over tickets and start getting hyped for the fun. You'll have flash deals on last minute tickets, easy to find tickets, image views of your seats, lowest price guarantee, even cancellation protection on all of these. So it is the place for last minute tickets it is the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason because they're good uh so snag the ticket without the stress with game time download the game time map create an account use the code locked on mlb for 20 dollars off your first purchase you might as well do it just for that terms apply again create an account and redeem the code locked on for 20 dollars off download the game time app today last minute tickets lowest prices guaranteed and i want to remind you to check out uh, the rest of the series on sirius xm radio uh sirius xm radio 
that is uh, just type guards and or Padres and you will get it. So let's talk about a talked about through Evan Drellich over on The Athletic. Also, let's take a moment and talk about The Athletic relatively firing 4% of their work staff, over 20 writers. Um, the Cavs, Kelsey Russo, I know lost. Uh, Zach Buchanan, who's been their number two prospects writer, which is big because I do enjoy Keith Law over there. But Keith Law maybe gets out an article a week. He doesn't do a ton. I don't know what his contract is, but it's definitely a bit cut back. Buchanan was doing an article a week focused on the minors. Um, he was, I, I think, putting out more words on prospects on that site than anyone. And that's not to knock Keith. It's just the work he was doing. He's gone. I thought James Fagan was awesome for the Chicago White Sox. I just enjoyed the crossovers and how he worked with uh, Zach Meisel on things. And he's gone. So, the Athletic is the one place I pay for. It's terrible to see this, but you know the nice thing with Locked On is we always cover your market. We're not cutting markets. They're intentionally cutting markets. They're going from every market to regional markets there, and that's a scary thing. And the reason I bought The Athletic is I'm a MLB and NHL fan, and those are the things that they're cutting. Like The Athletic chased the niche market, and now they're cutting their niche market. So I'm, I'm really praying Aaron Portisloin does not end up part of that because that might be enough to get me to cancel. But uh, Evan Drellich does great work there, even though they cut most of the business side of writers. So uh, yeah, hopefully Evan, and it's also Ken Rosenthal, that they, they are discussing limiting how much teams can spend, basically putting a salary cap on team spending. So you can't go out and do great technology. If you spend too much on technology, well, then you're capped. You can't go out and have a ton of people uh, for scouting and health, which would be, also include mental health, which is just a great thing to put into that. But uh, it would definitely count. So they want to limit how much you can spend on tech and how much you can spend on people. They want to cap team spending outside of the game itself. And as we know, Cleveland spends a lot on tech. They have always been at the forefront of that. That is something... Uh, they've been ahead of before anyone else. But here's the thing. MLB can put this cap on teams. There's nothing that can be done. This isn't like a players association thing. Just they tell the teams, hey, you can't spend. And Colorado Rockies owner Dick Monfort, who, you know, the Rockies have, I've read from multiple places, the worst facilities and the worst tech in baseball. And there is a reason why they are one of the worst teams consistently in baseball. And he's probably loving it. He's like, yeah. Because he doesn't spend on any of this stuff. He's, he's a terrible owner. Cleveland, yes. Could they spend more on their team? Absolutely. Should they spend more on their team? 100%. But we know they spend in these areas. You know, they have, outside of 2020, they've gone over in the draft every single year since 2011, I want to say. Uh, gone over the spending, right? Because that's the Lindor draft. Or do I have that wrong? Maybe 2012. I mean, I think, no, 2011 is Lindor. That's the first time. Uh, they've always gone over the soft cap. They spend on tech. They have fantastic tech at their sites. They coordinate. They work through things. It's one of the reasons they've become such a good pitching pipeline. And here's the thing. They have cut back on personnel in terms of scouting, but they have not in terms of coaching. If anything, they've pushed up the coaching and some of the other things with that. Uh, this talk is something that would likely hurt them and hurt them a lot. And if you go through and you look at, you know, even in this article, they talk about, you know, the teams that have been successful lately in baseball uh, entering Tuesday four revenue sharing recipients, the Rays, twins, pirates, and D backs were in first place. Uh, Cleveland is now two games behind the twins or, you know, so they, they're competing up there and three others, the Marlins, Brewers, and Orioles were in position for wild cards. Uh, yeah. 
the thing is these teams spend on tech, they spend in the right areas, spend on counting, they spend, spend on people. And, you know, we can go back also to the awful, uh, because we have one of the worst, you know, commissioners ever and Rob Manfred, who, you know, negative talked analytics and then talked about, you know, the exact quote being, I don't know where it originated. It's about competitive balance. I've been in the game 20 years. The number of people we have in our clubhouse working with the players has tripled and quadrupled inside. Oh no, this is a, so this is a mom, uh, Rob Manfred. This is a, uh, random club official has doubled or tripled clubhouse working with players has tripled and quadrupled in size. I hope that exec is not in Cleveland. And I know they're not, but that is an exec who should be fired based on that tweet because, uh, a, you know, if you've been in the game this long and you don't know why all those people are helpful, then you're bad at your job. Uh, and if you don't know why it's happening or where it originated, then you're not connected at all. And you're already checked out. Uh, Manfred's story was just about how analytics aren't good was his quote in the off season. But yeah, Cleveland takes advantage of this. They spend on tech, they spend on people. And if major league baseball sets a hard cap on how much you can spend on people and on tech, it's just going to be another way that they make their game worse. Right. Most, one of the great things the NFL did was parody. And that really kind of led along with the fact that, you know, it's a smaller schedule. They, it's a, you know, every game is a, is a, you can't miss. And the fact that all their game, you know, you can watch every single game without having to pay for it. If you're local, doesn't happen with any other sport. Major League Baseball, this is just another terrible idea from the commissioner's office. Another terrible way to hurt their game to say, Hey, we can't put a hard cap on players. We'll put a hard cap on owners. Uh, I mean, heck, Cleveland probably would have been uh, over this cap when they built that fantastic Arizona complex with, you know, I believe as the Reds was their co-partner on it. But it's like that stuff, limiting the number of minor league teams, all these things they keep doing to save money, even though this game is generating billions every year. And again, even if Dolan never made a dime owning this team, and I don't believe that's true, after 20 years of ownership, he's going to make close to a billion dollars in terms of what he bought versus what he's selling for. So these owners trying to find more ways to uh, to limit money spent is just a crock, in my opinion. So uh, make sure to comment below. Tell me if I'm making too big a deal out of this or if it's just another reason of like, yay, yeah, let's, let's find new ways to be cheap. Uh, I think it hurts Cleveland because I think this is where Cleveland does spend compared to other teams. I am pretty sure they are a high spending team when it comes to tech and people. And you know, they have to be, or else they wouldn't have kept some of the people here who choose not to go into other positions with other organizations. We're going to come back from a quick break and start our Shane Bieber discussion. The much promised and talked about uh, what's going to happen, who makes sense. We're going to start eliminating teams right from the top. If a Shane Bieber trade occurs where it might happen, what makes sense We're going to start cutting out those 30 teams today. I want to thank everyone uh, or take a moment to remind everyone, I should say, to go check out uh, tomorrow's broadcast with uh, Savale versus Waka on Sirius XM radio. Just search Guardians in the search bar to find it. So Shane Bieber. Listen, I, I we don't know. It, he's a it's a weird needle to thread with Shane Bieber because 
if he's really good, then this team's probably in contention, and I don't think they're moving him. It'll be a Lindor situation where they look to flip him in the offseason because the Lindor situation was a bit weird because that was the COVID year. But at the end, that deal worked out. So I think that has, if anything, made them feel like, hey, we can still work something out in the offseason and get good value. Two, if he's not good enough, then you're not going to get enough return. And it might make sense just to hold on to him for another year and get a draft pick because you then have to value that next year's class looks like a real, uh, real solid class. Again, looks like it's going to be two years of strong classes because this year is the year where all of the um, prep players from the 2020 class, because that was a super small draft, all of five rounds got to school. And then the next year you had a big influx and it pushed another, we're basically these three years are kind of your influx years where we're probably going to see stronger drafts of these next three years. So there's extra value in those picks. So let's just go through, let's, you know, eliminate teams. When you're looking across baseball, I think it's kind of easy to go through and just eliminate the American league central. <laughs> not going to trade a year and a half of Bieber in this division, especially because I mean, we talked about the good story of the Tigers a few weeks ago. Now they're below the White Sox. The White Sox are where Cleveland was two weeks ago before their hot streak. Uh, and the Royals are the worst team in baseball right now, which is amazing because the Oakland Athletics were built to be the worst team in baseball. Twins, you're competing with them. So moving on right there, right? Like we can just ignore that. Uh, now let's get rid of the teams that uh, aren't going to trade for a starter. You don't have playoff aspirations. Washington Nationals the in the NL East. That's the only one I would say is completely out of it. AL East, I don't think anyone's out of it. Uh, Central, we just eliminate AL on principle. I think in the National League Central, Cubs have had some weird spending, but they're also not very good. Uh, I think they're doing a slow build with augmentations in free agency. I don't think they're going to start trading their talent, and it's not the deepest minor leagues. Um, yet either they have not kind of had a lot of breakouts the reds i do not think are trading anything they're not gonna trade for a year and a half of bieber i've seen some people talk about the reds as a trade team they're not they're they're still in the rebuild their their guys are promoting up yes but they're also gonna have their own guys promote up they're not gonna trade for a year and a half of bieber they're not really yes they're two and a half back cleveland is also two and a half back but this is where that whole expectation versus uh comes into play where Cleveland's two and a half back was expecting to compete for a wild card or the division and the Reds two and a half back were expecting to be closer to the bottom. Uh, ALS, the athletics you can eliminate them. And then in terms of the NLS, the Rockies, you can eliminate them. So, you know, we've gotten rid of, I think what, two, three, four, five in the division. So nine teams, and then, you know, the Guardians themselves. So that's about 10 teams. So it's about a third. You can just immediately cut and eliminate from any potential trade offer. So we, I don't think anyone wants me to really go 20 teams one at a time. Right? So let's let's do the next step, which is the Red Sox have a poor minors. It doesn't make much sense to really go much deeper with them. Uh, they're not moving... Marcello Mayer, that's not really what Cleveland needs. And Boston, in terms of just their team, I mean, I think we assume anything Cleveland does, it's going to be closer to the Bauer deal where they got uh, multiple pieces that could help today. Boston's offense is, yeah, you know, it, some players are playing well. You know, Con Connor Wong is, is at a 103, runs good at plus with his great defensive ratings. But, uh, you know, 
the other side of it is guys like Adam Naval, who's 34, Justin Turner, who's 38, Rob Reinsdorf is uh, 32. They don't have a lot of young players uh, who are excelling. It's Verdugo in Duran, I don't think they're trading Verdugo. And uh, yeah, they just don't make a lot of sense in the grand scheme, though they could use pitching. I just can't see it with the Red Sox. Uh, on the other side of things, the rest of this division, I don't know if it's necessarily the Blue Jays. I don't think it's a dire need. Uh, the Yankees are kind of weird just because of health related issues. But, um, I just want to take one last look at the Red Sox here. Yeah. I just, I don't see the secondary pieces to make a trade. It makes sense. The Blue Jays, I don't know if they have a huge pressing need. Uh, Gaussman's been awesome. Bassett's been good. Barrios is much improved. You see, uh, Yose Kikichi has been solid, though he's always a first half guy. Bieber might not be more than their fourth best starter right now. So, I, I, Boston or Boston, Toronto just doesn't make sense because it's not their biggest need. Uh, the Yankees could use a starter, but and the big but is it always comes down to the fact that, like, Nestor Cortez is on the DL, Frankie Montas isn't going to pitch this year, I believe. And Carlos Rondon, uh, Rodon, I should say, has not uh, pitched. If you get Rodon and Cortez back, all of a sudden Bieber's probably their fourth starter. So do they go out and make the big move? It kind of determines the overall health um, with this team. I will say I was shocked when I pulled up their team page to see that Matt Crook made it to the big leagues. Good for him. But the Yankees are dealing with so many injuries. Billy McKinney, who's the patron saint of random 40-man recalls, is even has been on their roster at, at points this year. I believe he's started all last week, which is mind blowing. I mean, Jake Bowers is still playing every day for them. Uh, they have other needs. I don't think they're really going to go out there and sweep the table uh, in all their pieces. Cause they don't have a ton of high prospects. You know, you're not getting Jason Dominguez, uh, Peraza and Volpe are probably out the table. They moved so much a year ago. that it's hard to find that Yankees fit. Baltimore and Tampa are much more interesting, and that's why we will not talk about them today and kind of save them for another day. There is a logic to both those teams. Baltimore's pitching is not great. Tampa has some really strong pitching. and I'll say this. Tampa, I kind of want Tampa to happen because they're so good at hitter development, and they have some blocked prospects, and they have some guys who would look very good in Cleveland. And as much as I keep saying that, the thing is, at the end of the day, McClanahan, Eflin, Glasnow, Bradley. I mean, not Bradley, but the other three definitely start over Bieber in the postseason right now. So Tampa's probably out. So that leaves you Baltimore from brain, brain fart AL East. And then when you go out West, Texas is interesting. They just called up Owen White, who I'm a big fan of, uh, because, you know, the Groms, uh, uh, is another Tommy John for him? Kind of leaves them in a weird situation. John Gray has pitched much better of late. Avaldi has pitched well, very well. Uh, Martin Prez has been middling. So is Dane Dunning. Andrew Haney, kind of the same. It's like, based on what we've seen this year, Avaldi would be their number one. Gray has pitched really, really well. He would maybe be a two, maybe a three. But if you're going all in, Texas is going to be a team to discuss. So we're going to kind of kick them down the road with Baltimore for another show as well. Seattle has good pitching depth. It has been hitting 
that has been the issue. Uh, you know, Mike Ford was their DH multiple times this week. Colton Wong has moved to the bench. All those concerns I talked about Seattle before the season began, well, they've all kind of come true. And, you know, Brian Wu is currently their five. Uh, Logan Gilbert, Bryce Miller, Luis Castillo have all looked good. George Kirby's been great. I, I don't think Seattle is a, a – it's not their biggest need. They would go for a bat, not a pitcher. And that kind of leaves us with I think the only American League teams I've left are Houston and L.A. Uh, Houston falls into the trap of they don't have anything to trade. I mean, outside of Drew Gilbert, is anyone really getting you all that excited on that team? I don't think Corey Lee is much of a prospect at this point. Hunter Brown is already a part of the team. Yonder Diaz is playing every day, and I didn't think he was particularly all that grand um, when we watched him over the past week as a first baseman. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, who who do you want to get from there? Who is the guy? I That is a team that does not have good depth, and you're also not getting anyone who can help you right away. I mean, unless you want to, you know, Corey Jolks, who steals a lot of bases, but hasn't done much else. He's maybe their best bench hitter right now. Uh, the Angels. Another team I'm going to save, because I think they get a bit interesting as well, because for lots of injuries, again, for them, uh, Otani is great. Griffin Canning has been a nice bounce back this year. Detmers has been not as good as I expected. Tyler Anderson's been pretty terrible for a free agent signing. Patrick Sandoval has been disappointing as well. There's some room with the Angels. So we're going we're to say the Angels, the Rangers, and Baltimore are the most interesting American League teams. And we'll have to cycle back to them later this week. Haven't touched on the National League. We're going to slowly in each show work our way through this Shane Bieber of it all and then settle on some fun and interesting trades that make sense. So the process of elimination will get us there. We've finished the American League. And it's really only left three teams that make logical sense. Tomorrow, we're going to get through the National League teams that make sense in segment three. And then we will settle in on Friday with the trades from those teams that I think make some logical sense based on where we are with Shane Bieber. I want to thank everyone for listening, rating, and reviewing. Downloading helps. Being part of the Lockdown Guardians team. Some everydayers. Um, you know, I, moving target, I feel like, pops up there. Um, John. John Fagan. Sorry if I'm getting names wrong. These are the ones that pop in my head, but we have so many great everydayers who are in there literally every day in the comments that I'm responding to. Jake D, someone who comments a lot uh, in there. And I want to you know, thank each and every one of you who uh, do your part as part of the Lockdown Guardians team. And let's end this the way we end every single show, which is to say, go, go, Guardians, go.